And we're going to approach God in prayer now. Um, we're going to do things a, a little bit differently because it is Climate Sunday today. In the middle of COP26, we are together with churches all over the country and indeed all over the world, um, committing ourselves to doing something about this climate crisis. And Graham and Rachel are going to come and lead us in our prayers. The prayers are based on um, the Lord's Prayer, so we won't pray the Lord's Prayer at the end, but it will be integrated into what we do. So please come to the lectern. microphone yeah we're going to do this together so the congregation have a part and then we have one leader which is Graham and leader number two which is Rachel so we begin as a congregation by saying together loving God we remember that Jesus taught us to pray saying our father you created us you made this world and you called your creation very good Yet often we forget that you are our loving parent who continues to bless your world. Jesus told us that we are in heaven. Yet we fail to live in awe of you. We take for grant you for granted and we don't see the awesome beauty of the world you have made. Hallowed be your name. We confess that our reverence for you does not always lead us to care reverently for your earth, sky, and sea. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We confess that we often put our own interests first, exploiting your creation and living for our own convenience and self-interest. We pray give us today our daily bread. We confess that we consume more than our share of the world's resources, while billions go hungry every day and your whole creation suffers. We pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We confess that we see these words only in spiritual terms, while the Bible is filled with teachings about economic justice and creation care. We pray, lead us not into temptation. Help us to resist the temptations of spending more, using more, acquiring more, and wasting more. We pray, deliver us from evil. Free us from greed and self-centeredness that separate us from you and others. We pray, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever help us to know that in caring for your wonderful world we are working for your kingdom being good stewards for your creative power and giving you glory we pray amen, amen. thank you and ellie's going to come and bring us a reading The first reading is taken from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. 
The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, they stood near, he stood near them under a tree. And the second reading is from Psalm 23, verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word continues to collect those. Let's pray as we turn to reflect on God's word. Lord God, thank you that you invite us to be collaborators with you in your great work of redemption. Lord, thank you for speaking to us, and we, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us through your word this morning. Not only to hear, but to do what you, by your Spirit, empower us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you've already heard, this is Climate Sunday. We are joining folks from all over the world who are committing to doing something about climate change. Ten weeks into our series on creation care that we've been doing here in Bigger Kirk, you would have thought that we would have exhausted this subject. You would have thought that we would know all there is to know about our responsibility to God's good earth. But the theme of creation care, I find, is woven throughout the scriptures from the first book to the very last Creation care is integral to the story of God and what he has been doing and will do vis-a-vis his world. I think we have just scratched the surface of this whole subject. Yeah, I've found it a privilege to, to study over these 10 weeks, and uh, I'm hoping that creation care will enter more into our thoughts and into my preaching. I think sometimes our theology has been very much human-centered. In terms of theology, we think of our relationship with God, which is right, and we think of our relationship with other human beings, but we often fail to think about our relationship to the rest of creation, which is just as important. And I hope 
And I pray that that will enter more into our thinking as we go ahead, especially as we are faced with this whole crisis of climate change. One image that we haven't explored yet in our series is the rich image of hospitality. Hospitality, that image that we find both in the Old and the New Testament alike. And that's what I'd like us to think about this morning. Hospitality or playing host. It is something that we are quite quite proud of over these few weeks of COP26. We in Scotland are playing host to that great event. And as Rachel said, we went to Glasgow on Monday and we were able to take those boats and we got to meet some of the young people from the Young Christian Climate Network. And we also had a chance to look around the city. We weren't able to see a lot in terms of COP26. You, you need a special pass to get into what they call the, the green or the blue zones where all the COP26 events are happening. But we did see a lot of policemen And we saw a few protesters as well. The Coast Guard were out in force. They were on the the banks of the Clyde. They were awaiting the arrival of Greenpeace's Rainbow Warrior, which is anchored there in the Clyde during COP26. But what inspired me to consider this theme of hospitality this morning was the sight of two gentlemen who I assume were visitors from Africa, they were sitting in Glasgow Central Station with their, their wheelie bags, both on their smartphones. I, presumably, they were trying to figure out where they should be and when. I'm sure one of the many volunteers who were also in the city for Comp 26 were able to show them around and get them to the meetings where their voices would be heard, along with all the other delegates from all over the world. And I hope these two African gentlemen that I saw sitting there were made to feel welcome here in Scotland and that they were shown hospitality. Hospitality. In the ancient Near East where the Bible originates, hospitality was a vital, important thing. In the time before kings and kingdoms, the basic building block of society was the household. Now, a household is more than a building. A household in nomadic society in which Abraham and the rest of the patriarchs lived, a household rarely entailed a building. It was usually just a tent or an encampment of a few tents. And they would move these tents along after the herd following grazing land and following water. What was more important than the place of the household was the social network that the household provided. The household was an economic entity. It was a place for producing and consuming what was needed for life. That's a bit strange for us because the place of of producing and consuming for us is usually outside of the home. We go to the shops to buy. We go out to work. Maybe it was a a bit like farms are today. 
where, where people live and they eat and they grow things to eat, all there in the one system. In the ancient Near East, in a wild and arid land, belonging to a household was essential for survival. Heaven forbid that you were not connected to a household. If you were not connected to a household, the very likely outcome is that you would die. The household was also a place where one got one's identity. Even if you weren't biologically related to the household, even if you were a slave or a servant, you were still seen as part of that household. You would have certain responsibilities, of course, in the household. And you would be looked after by the household as a valued member on whom others relied. Travelers and sojourners away from home, away from their households, were particularly vulnerable. And that is why hospitality was so important in the ancient Near East. Hospitality was a reciprocal relationship. Even if a traveler was from an enemy clan, the obligation of the household was to take care of them, to feed them, to water them, and to offer them shelter and protection. Who knows when you or someone in your family might be in a similar situation away from your household. It would be nice to know that a a stranger would offer them hospitality in the same way that you offer it to your strangers. For the people of God, however, the motivation to show hospitality was even greater than it was for the general population. The people of God from Abraham and the patriarchs to the the Hebrews in the wilderness to the settled kingdoms of Israel to the followers of Jesus in the New Testament, are all commanded to show hospitality. And they're commanded to show hospitality not because someday they might need it reciprocated to them. They're commanded to show hospitality because God has already shown hospitality to them. And he requires that they do the same to everyone they encounter, especially the stranger. We all know the 23rd Psalm that Ellie kindly read for us. We're we're familiar with the comforting pastoral picture it gives us in the first four verses. God is shepherd, and the psalmist is a sheep in God's loving care. In the last two verses, however, we have a different picture. It's the picture of God as host for a human guest, not for a a sheep. There God lays a table. God prepares a banquet for the psalmist. God fills his cup with wine until it overflows. God anoints the psalmist's head with oil. That's a way of showing hospitality in the ancient Near East. But not only that, the psalmist guest says in the last verse, in the last phrase, that he will dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. He will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I was a bit perplexed by that. If he is a guest, here's a guest who's overstaying his welcome, (laughs) wants to live in the house forever. And on Tuesday night, we we talked about this psalm, and, and, and someone suggested that they had always thought that this was a picture of God's heavenly home. When we die, we will go and reside in God's house forever. But I think it makes much more sense to see the psalmist proclaiming here that he will dwell in God's household forever. Not only when he dies and goes to heaven, but here and now as well. Indeed, the word in the Greek version of the Old Testament of this psalm is oikos, oikos. That's a word most commonly understood as household, oikos. It's a word from which we get the English words economy and ecology, economy and ecology. Indeed, in the Bible's understanding, economy or ecology, which is a science, the study of this ecosystem, in the Bible's understanding, all science is the study of God's household, his oikos. And economy, which is a a technical term, it's about our our techniques of living together, of of spending money and uh, uh, commerce. The Bible's understanding is that all economy and all our understanding of techniques are about living together in God's household. In this last line of the psalm, the psalmist realizes that he has been welcomed into God's house. And he realizes here that he's welcomed not just as a guest, but as a full-fledged member of his household. One picture we get of God in the Bible, of which this psalm is a glimpse is of a gracious host. The world is God's oikos. It is God's household. And the stranger, the vulnerable, and the dispossessed are welcomed in, and they're given a feast. They're anointed with oil. Their cups overflow. And the picture is that in God's economy, in God's household, there is never anything lacking. There is always a willingness to set another place at the table. There is always enough for everyone in God's household. And certainly that's true. We all believe that's true for the human world. God cares for each and everyone, and he welcomes each and everyone in. But surely it is also true for all that God has made. Isn't that what we see in another psalm? Psalm 145, 9 says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Everyone and everything are invited in 
to share God's bounty. It's never a case of them against us. It's never a case of one group of people against another vying for scarce resources. And it's never a case of people against the rest of creation. In, in the biblical picture of God and his household, God is the pater familias. He is the father of a great and a gracious household. Like Abraham, God sits at the entrance of his tent, waiting, waiting just to bless passing strangers. Lovely picture of God. God, even better than Abraham, God graciously lavishes his bounty on the stranger and even the enemy, anyone who will respond to his gracious invitation. But as it was with the psalmist in Psalm 23, God doesn't just leave us as guests. He doesn't leave us in the guest room. God does, doesn't just take us as we are, though he certainly does that. But God takes us as we are, and he takes us on to something better. God's desire is that all his guests will come and have permanent places that they will live forever in the household of God, in God's oikos. Being a guest is a wonderful experience, but being a member of the household is a greater privilege still. And a member of the household is what we were always meant to be. Being a member of the household is a privilege, but it also entails responsibilities. Our responsibility as part of God's household, after having encountered his great hospitality towards ourselves, is to become part of his great program of hospitality towards others. Our responsibility in this household is to invite others in, to give them refreshment, to anoint their heads, to fill their cups, and to feed them. And we do that, we show that hospitality, so that they might follow the psalmist pattern and find their place in the household of God. And again, I believe this pertains to both the human and the non-human parts of creation. This household of God is a system that has a symbiotic relationship. Everything has a place. Everything and every person has a place. And we depend on the rest of creation as much as it depends on us. And God has compassion on all that he has made. And his requirement of his human part of creation is that we show care and that we show hospitality, not just to human beings, but to the rest of creation too. So what does this look like for us in the light of climate change? What will it look like on the other side of COP26? Well, quite simply, 
it will look like what it looks like today, the picture of a household. It will look like the picture of a gracious Father God at the center of his household. And I hope and pray it will look like us pressing into the character of God as a gracious host towards us. Bearing in mind, constantly reminding ourselves that God does love all that he has made, including you and me and everyone and everything else. And I hope and pray that post-COP 26 that we will bear in mind that this gracious host of ours is not limited in what he can do or what he desires to do for a world he loves. What does Paul say in Romans 8.32? If God was willing to give his son that he should die for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In other words, according to Paul, if God is for us, even in a climate crisis, who can be against us? A post-COP 26, we need to, of course, hold our leaders and the leaders of other nations to account We need to hold them to account for the commitments that they have made and hold them to account for the commitments that they have failed to make. But we should hold these others to account with the same kind of graciousness that our Father God shows towards us. But most importantly, post-Comp 29, Let's not forget our responsibility as individuals to learn about what we can and should do, but also to do what we can and should do, symbolized in our prayer chain. Our responsibility to do what we must, to make the household of God to be a place where we are welcomed and where others are welcomed, where all have an essential place and where God ultimately is glorified. May God bless to us this reflection on his word this morning. God in prayer. Let's pray together. Creator God, giver of life, you sustain the earth and direct the nations. In this time of climate crisis, grant us clarity to hear the groaning of creation and the cries of the poor. Challenge us to change our lifestyles. Guide our leaders to take courageous action. Enable your church to be a beacon of hope and to foster, and Lord, foster within us a renewed vision of your purpose for our world. We pray now for those in need around us, those near and those far. We pray for those sick in body, mind, or spirit. And we name those 
known to us in our hearts in the silence. We pray for those grieving the loss of someone they loved. And today we pray especially for the family of Frida Hope and Bill Lander. We pray for those stuck in a habit or those stuck in a situation of abuse. Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, come and heal, comfort, and set free as only you can do. For we pray in your name. Amen. We sing our final hymn together, the hymn, You're the Word of God the Father. Let's stand to sing.